1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Dr. Rydelnik has come back. He joins us every Monday at 8.30 to answer questions that you may have about the Bible, about Jewish culture and history, or even about theology and general prophecy. He is the vice president and um, academic dean of the Moody Bible Institute, newly crowned. Wow. wow. (laughs) No crowned, born, (laughs) forced into, pushed in. Yeah, so congratulations. He's also a professor of Jewish studies. Welcome back. Uh, thank you. It's always good to be with you guys. Happy so, Monday. Happy Monday, Michael. And, you know, we've got a question. Um, each month we have a memory verse, Michael, and this month it's uh, Isaiah 9-6. You know, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, we post that on Facebook and then mm-hmm. we actually got a question based on that, and it's it simply says this: What does that mean? The government will be on his shoulders. It, he will, they will rest on him. He will have authority. Okay, that's mm-hmm. what it means. And if you look at the next verse, you can see how he carries it out. Uh, do you have your Bible there? I do. You should re- you should read the next verse, or I'm turning to it. I think I, I'm I'm I'll get, let's see who you're gets gonna, there first. You're going to get there first. Uh, the uh, the point of that is when he returns and establishes his reign. This is a unique ha! verse. It says the dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He mm. will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. And so the government will be on his shoulders when he reigns over that dominion uh, on the throne of David. Okay. So that's it has to do with with governmental authority. Okay. So his governmental authority, not necessarily today's government's resting on his shoulders. This is talking about when he returns and it is all yes. on him yeah. and through He's him the righteous and because king. of him. Amen. Now, in my opinion, virtually every English translation of this verse is wrong. Hmm. How's that? Okay. <laughs> well, walk us verse, through verse why do you, six. Why do you yeah. say that. It says his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. And then most versions say Everlasting or Eternal Father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the Son is not the Father. And uh, it gets people confused. Okay. Uh, but the the real meaning or the, the most literal translation would be Father of Eternity or Father of Time. Oh. Avi, the Hebrew word is Aviad, the creator. Like we have the father of our country. That mm-hmm. means the the author, the beginning of our country, 
And so when the, when he's called father here, it means the father of eternity, the creator of time, the creator. Mm. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that he is the father. In the Godhead sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, a good clarification because yeah, really I noticed is. that too. I was like, huh, so Jesus is also called the father. That's no, what I thought the, when I read it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bad translation. It should be father of eternity. And uh, of course, I memorize it with the right translation and then people think I'm quoting the Bible wrong because... <laughs> Because yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, so is, is there, if I could just ask, because you said most English translations get that wrong, is there a specific mm-hmm. English translation that translates it correctly? I've, uh, the Rydelnik translation. The translation. Yeah, okay, right. Looking forward to seeing that in 2023. Yeah, someday. Publishers. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, so not even New American Standard, because I heard that was the most literal translation. It is the most literal. It is the most literal. Oh, but Okay. Yeah. And... You know, I, I understand why they do it, because what they do is they turn the adjectives the way they do, uh, but uh, Aviad is the father of eternity. That's what it re- literally means, father of time. Okay. The father of forever. The I think that's a great way. Forever. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can I follow up really quickly before we of move course. off of this yep. with wonderful counselor? I had heard mm-hmm. that some translations are wonderful, comma, counselor. Yeah, they are. Uh, but it, this is a fourfold title and so it literally reads a wonder of a counselor and and uh that's that's the idea of it and it's interesting because the the, when wonder and counselor the word wonder is a supernatural term uh the hebrew word pele almost means miraculous wonder and for example when the mobile phone was invented in israel did you know that the the actual you know the okay. wireless I think I heard mobile that. Fo- all right yeah was, and the company that came out with it first was named Pelephone the same word wonder wonderphone because it was like oh. a miracle that you didn't need to be attached to a wire wow to to talk on the phone so they took a word from the Bible to describe the phone that they were having so Pelephone and uh, so and it sounds good too Pelephone instead of telephone sure so. Uh, so it's a, a wonder of a counselor, and that is something that, that God alone is. Uh, even that term, which doesn't, I mean, you might call a baby wonderful. You might say he'll grow up to be a counselor. But when they are put together, a wonder of a counselor, uh, these are words that are used of God in the Bible, that God alone is wondrous in counsel, Isaiah says. Mm-hmm. So it, that, that too is a term of deity, as is uh, El Gibor, mighty, mighty God, Aviad, father of eternity, Sar Shalom, the ruler. We think prince means son of the king. Mm-hmm. No, it just mean in Hebrew it just means the ruler. And princes were rulers, so it's often translated prince. But uh, it means the ruler over peace. Here's one for you, Michael. It says this: My daughter and her husband are part of something similar to the Hebrew Roots movement, and they celebrate only Jewish holidays, except Independence Day and Thanksgiving. Uh, because they feel that um, the other holidays have pagan roots, and God commands the Jewish holidays. So should the church be celebrating Jewish holidays and forsaking the rest? Well, the Jewish holidays are part of the law of Moses, and clearly the, the church is not compelled in Scripture to keep the law of Moses. Paul makes it really clear in Colossians, 
that that's not something that that we have to do. Uh, it says, therefore, don't let anyone judge you in Colossians two sixteen, in regard to food and drink, or in the matter of a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath day, meaning the festivals in Leviticus. And I think, unfortunately, the Hebrew roots movement judges believers for not keeping the festivals and the Sabbath day mm. and the new moon. Uh, but we shouldn't allow that. Uh, and, you know, I appreciate some of the things the Hebrew roots are saying because they're saying, you know, we've ignored the Old Testament too long, but they are trying to live under the Old Testament as if Jesus hasn't come and the new covenant hasn't been established. And that's, I think, a mistake. The second thing is even pagan roots don't necessarily uh, make it impossible or wrong to celebrate something. You know, people argue that Christmas has pagan roots. I, I'm i not sure that's 100% true. But nevertheless, to be clear, Paul wrote about, in 1 Corinthians 8, meat sacrificed to idols. Clearly, they have pagan roots, though, that kind of meat. It's mm-hmm. they were It was sacrificed to idols. What does Paul say of them? They are without moral significance. You can eat meat. You can go to Zeus's butcher shop. You can buy meat sacrificed to idols because you're not sacrificing it. You're not worshiping an idol. You're using it, and they have no moral significance. That's what I think about pagan, uh, alleged pagan roots for Christmas. It doesn't matter. As long as we're not worshiping idols, mm-hmm. practicing paganism, then why not celebrate the birth of the king? Mm-hmm. I, I just... I think it's without moral significance, and it's interesting because the people who were objecting to meat sacrifice to idols were people who had been pagan. As far as I know, no one who objects to Christmas celebrations had, you know, they hadn't been celebrating Saturnalia, and now all of a sudden they're coming into the faith and saying, oh no, this is too similar. Uh, that's just hmm. that's just legalism okay. uh, when they start saying that. Okay. Hmm. Oh, That's really you. helpful because I, I know there are times in my uh, spiritual um, journey that I wondered about having a Christmas tree and and the you know just some of the the things that we that we do traditionally and then you read oh well it means this in another culture and I was, I was should we be doing this or you know yeah so. yeah I, I it, it's and every now you know I've led messianic congregations and of course we get people who read the internet and they see all these things about Saturnalia and all the terrible things about Christmas and next thing you know I've got to kind of calm everyone down and say it's I, like I don't even have a Christmas tree mm. uh, part of my Jewish celebration is not to have a Christmas tree but it's really because of my neighbors I don't want my neighbors to think the reason I became a I live around a very Jewish mm. Orthodox area and even when I lived in a non-Orthodox Jewish area, they could see my Christmas tree and think, oh, he became a follower of Jesus just so he could have a Christmas tree. No, I didn't. <laughs> and so I don't have a Christmas tree. It's it's, And my life is fine. I have a menorah, you know, a Hanukkah. But, <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And people should celebrate with joy. Mm. Okay. okay. Yeah, thank you. You're hearing the voice of Dr. Michael Rydelnik. And it looks like we have another question that, that has come in. Yes, I and I'm not sure if we asked this before. This was from um, a, another week. Somebody was asking you about your favorite version of the Bible. And did we mm-hmm. ever ask you that already recently? No. no. Okay. Uh, my favorite version of the Bible personally is no longer being produced. Uh, it's the Holman 
CSB, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It's been revised. There's been about a 10% change, so now it's just the Holman CSB. But the Holman Christian Standard Bible was my favorite. I think it really balanced uh, clarity and understanding with with accuracy. Uh, I still use the New American Standard. I use the ESV. Uh, I use the NIV. I I I look at them all, mm-hmm. uh, but I like the Holman CS, uh, CSB. I was not happy actually. I love. I think the revision was okay, but there were some things I didn't like about the revision. One of the things I liked about the original Holman Christian Standard was that it used the word Messiah in Jewish context instead of Christ. Mm-hmm. Now Christ is back, and that's good, but I, I think in a Jewish context, Messiah makes more sense. Another thing was they used the word languages for tongues, and too many, uh, the, the publisher decided too many charismatics didn't want to read it because it didn't have the word tongue in it, and so for languages, I think language is a better translation, but nevertheless, uh, it's gone back to tongues. So some of the things that I think made it a, a unique and better translation uh, have been taken out of it, but it's still a really good translation, the Holman CSB. Uh, I, my wife thinks that Paul and Moses brought the New American Standard uh, down <laughs> originally, and uh, that's the only thing she'll read. But Eva says that the best translation to read is the one that you will actually read. That's Amen. right. I absolutely love that. Um, Michael, uh, I, I just want to, as we're wrapping up here, um, I have a question more for you, but uh, you're going to be hanging out with some guy named Chris Fabry a little bit later on today, yeah. you and that other <laughs> Michael character. And so tell us a little bit, give us a, a preview of what you'll be going through this afternoon well, we want to straighten, We want to straighten Chris out. You okay, know, good. Mike, Mike and I, Mike V and I, Mike Van Lanningham, who's my co-editor of the Moody Bible Commentary. The two Michaels are going to be on Chris today, and we're going to talk about the myths of Christmas. Uh, there are so many things, whether from songs or from misunderstanding of the Bible, uh, there are a lot of myths that have been spread. And, you know, I'm going to make sure that everyone knows there really wasn't a drummer boy in the stable. Wait, with, wait, 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 wait. Let me look, look that up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, I read that in Luke. I mean, let, me, let me look. Yeah, it's in the Luke narrative, people think. But no, it's not. It's in second Luke. So <laughs> there we go. Uh Anyway, so we're going to talk about some of the myths Wait a minute. of Christmas. <laughs> He's just now reading through the Bible. <laughs> yeah, we want to make sure that people really understand Absolutely. the actual meaning of the birth narratives in Matthew and Luke. So that's what we're going to talk about. We'll take questions, too, from people about the Christmas narratives. Okay, that's, a, that's going to be very interesting. So make sure you're listening to Chris Fabry live at 3 Eastern today. And uh, make sure, hey, every Monday, at least, you know, in Unless Michael Rydelnik is on vacation, he'll be with us, and you can ask your questions. And, and even then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been known to call him on vacation. Yeah, That's sorry true. about yeah. that. I'm just going to apologize yeah. in public right now. Sorry about that, Michael. <laughs> it's, it's great to be with you guys. I really appreciate you having me.